Welcome back. We are starting the 22nd chapter of Ilchot Ishut. Ishut has 25 chapters. We're getting towards the end. This chapter, similarly to the one before, has to do with the rights of the husband in, in a marriage. One of the rights under the Ketubah is the rights of the husband to inherit his wife. So by, by getting married and signing a Ketubah, one of the default provisions Chachamim inserted in the Ketubah is that if a wife, God forbid, passes away in the middle while the husband is alive, if he survives her, then he gets to inherit her. So they, they establish this direct line of uh, of inheritance between the wife and the husband. As a rule, the husband precedes any other person in the world when inheriting his wife. And from what, from what moment in time does this right commence? the moment that the girl, the wife, leaves the house of her father and joins the, joins the husband. In other words, uh, not during the Erusin, but during the Kenisa or Nisuin. And even though there was no actual Chupa, which is what we said, uh, the, 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 um, the consummation of the Nisuin, the moment that she goes into the domain of her husband, that's when he has the right to inherit her. What does it mean? What's an example of that? Say that the woman got meoreset. And the father handed her over to the, her new husband or, their, or his shaliyah. Or if it, this was done through shalichim on either side. And then on the way, before arriving the house, her new home, her new household, she dies on the way. Even though she, her ketubah is still in her father's house, in other words, she still has a little bit of herself in her father's home. The, this leaving the house of the father was enough to start the right of inheritance at, for the husband. So too, if the, the father or his emissaries, his shalihim, go with the husband, and then the husband has a yehud with her on the way, uh, then that's also, although that's not chupa, that's good enough for nisuin, but this is good enough to, for him to start inheriting her. Continuation. So again, the way this used to work is the girl started, there was a whole procession, the girl started at the house of her father, and then they would they would take her to the husband. More or less, not exactly the same, but a hint of that has survived in, in Western traditions, how the, 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 the father and the mother of the bride take her and hand her over to to the to the groom so if the father is still with the husband and they are coordinating how to take her to her new home the same if the emissaries went of either side even if they stop somewhere in the way and the father is still with them and then the husband 
stays in the same house with her, but not in a way of Ehud, if she was still with her father. There was no Ehud yet for the purpose of Nisuim. If she dies, the inheritance is of her father. Although the Ketubah might already be in her new home. If she's not leaving the house of her father, so for example, she's an orphan or she's coming from a different marriage and she was living by, on her own, then for that purpose, there is no coming out of the house of the father concept here. And therefore, and therefore, uh, the only thing that counts is when she actually goes into the new home. If a person does not swim with a woman that's not permitted to him, um, and we saw we saw those in the first chapter. And some of them, the Kiddushim don't attach, some of them they do, so assuming that the Kiddushim do attach, if if she is Barat Kiddushin, if the Kiddushin do attach to her, then although he was forbidden to enter into this relationship, if she dies, he still gets to inherit her. So too, someone who marries a minor, although the Kiddushin are not complete and she can refuse him when she grows up, in meta tahtav irashena, if she dies, he does inherit her. Havala pikach shenasah hereshet in meta lo irashena. However, a a a sane person that that marries someone who is mentally incapacitated, then he doesn't get a yerusha from her. Via hereshena shenasah pikachat. However, someone who is himself mentally incapacitated, socially incapacitated rather, by being deaf, and he marries someone who is fully uh, of full capacity, Umeta, and she dies, Yirashena, he does get to inherit her. Shaharehi Badad, because we, we need the wife, the woman, to be the one who is cognizantly with full da'at going into this relationship, knowing that she's going to be inherited by her husband. And given that she, in the case that she's marrying someone who is not of full capacity, given that she had full capacity and she knew what she was getting into, she was at that moment willing and intending that he become her heir. A girl, a minor, that the Kiddushin are with the blessing of her father, but the Nisuim are not with the blessing of her father, whether this was done in front of him or not in front of him, the father has the right to prevent this, kiddushin, this Nisuim from taking place. Like we said in Perek, even if the father doesn't affirmatively um, contradict it, affirmatively contest this union, but rather he is quiet, so long as she doesn't have the full and express blessing of her father for this Nisuin, if the Ketana dies, her husband is not deemed to have had a full Nisuin with her, and therefore um, she uh, she's not inherited by him. Unless the father agreed to her nisuim while she was kitana. Because again, the nisuim need to be done with consent, and a minor is not capable of consent, so the consent on behalf of the minor under Jewish law is done by the father. The 
the Geonim have instructed that if a woman became sick and she asks her, her husband, please divorce me right now and let me come out without the Ketubah because I want somebody else to inherit me, not you. We, we don't let her uh, out of this marriage because of this reason. Even if she comes to Bedin and she requests a divorce under different grounds, but we all know why she's doing this. She wants her husband not to inherit her. The Bedin refuse this request. They don't arrange for the husband to give a, a get to her. However, at the same time, we also don't treat her as a woman who deprives her husband from uh, a, a marital union. And Albam says, I like this, this hora'ah, this instruction. It's, it's proper and appropriate. All the assets that a woman brought into the wedding, whether they are nechasim, nechasim barzel, as we explained before, nechasim barzel have a fixed frozen value that the woman comes with its value to the marriage. And that value is frozen. In other words, if it goes up in value, that is the husband's gain. If it goes down in value, that's the husband's loss. And he owes her this whole nechis in the value that it was before. Or nechasim melog, melog are more variable. They, they, they go up and down. The husband is allowed to benefit from the gains of these assets during her life. At some point, he might need to return some of it. But regardless, I'm sorry. Uh, so, so the gains, the principal gains, the gains, the capital gains, the gains on the actual value of the asset, that's what's uh, different between Melog and Barzel. The actual dividends that you get from it, like fruits, if it was a field or something like that, that is fully the husband's. If she dies during the life of her husband, the husband also gets to keep Therefore, if a wife alienates, if she sells land that was nichsemelog after she was married, so nichsemelog is the nechasim that are variable. The, 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 it's not the husband. The husband did not get a harayut over this nechasim. So let's say the wife comes into the wedding, into the marriage, with a land that's worth $500,000. This land produces $10,000 of fruits every year. So those $500,000 are not the husband's at this point. They are still the wives. The wife is bringing it into the wedding so that if she dies, he inherits it. But while he hasn't inherited them, all the rights he has are over the $10,000 a year perot that this nechasim produce. Therefore, if she goes and sells it to somebody else during the marriage, I'm not sure if she's allowed to or not, but let's say she did anyways, then the husband can go and claim the perot from that buyer, but he cannot claim the karka. Why? Because the karka has no shayachut to him. He has no claim on the karka until she dies. Continuation. 
if she dies while he well, while he's alive, if he inher- if he inherits her, then he can go and claim the goof of Nichsem Melog from the 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 purchasers without having to pay anything. And if the money that she took from the purchaser is still in existence, then he returns whatever is left of that money to them. And he cannot just claim that this is something that should also belong to him, given that everything that the woman produce, produces goes to the, the household's pot, the household's pool, namely to the husband. When are we saying that the husband can go and claim that that land uh, with, without any consideration from those buyers when this is land that the husband was aware of when they got married? However, if the woman got without her husband's knowledge, let's say she got an inheritance in a different city, and then she goes and sells it, then that sale is valid and the uh, so to a, a arusa, someone who didn't have nisuim yet, just kiddushin, and she sells something, her sale is valid, and the husband has no right to go and take it from the purchasers. Because the husband doesn't get anything on the arusa's assets until the kiddushin. Let's say a woman made a, a deed transferring all of her assets to a third party, whether it was a family member or a stranger, before she got into the Nisuim. So although in this case we have a special halacha in Zechiyahu Matana Perekvav that if at that stage, let's say the woman gets married on in January, and then February she she decides, you know what, I, I feel bad bringing all of these assets to my husband, let me just give them as a gift to my cousin. She does that. And then the next day, the husband divorces her, so or, or the husband dies, then this gift is batel, this gift is no longer valid, because... Uh, b- because all, all her intent in giving this gift was so that it wouldn't fall into the husband's hands. Now, since she's no longer going to be married to this guy, then the gift should come back to her. So although this is not a full gift, that's what we are trying to say, it doesn't mean that this acquire, this gives any rights to the husband to get perot from this nechasim. Vein meta, enoyoshan, and if she dies also, he doesn't get it as part of the Yerusha. Because the gift was made before the Nisuin. And if she dies while her husband is alive, then the one who received the gift now gets a full gift, no strings attached. There was a string attached that if she gets divorced or if uh, she becomes an almana, then she'll get it back. But now all the strings fall apart and the gift becomes fully executed. Veload. So too, not only that, but 
if if in the deed that she's giving to let's say her cousin she says okay i'm going to give this to you at some point between now and the moment that, that i decide in other words it's not yet yours until i decide it's yours and if i want to take it back i can take it back same dean the husband has no no uh claim and no rights over these assets even though this wasn't a fully effective gift yet Shomeret Yabam. Again, Shomeret Yabam is a widow whose husband has no children and she's waiting to see if one of the brothers is going to do a boom to her. So let's say during that period that she just lost her husband, an uncle dies and uh, this eventually trickles down to her and she gets a huge inheritance. So she's allowed to buy and sell from these assets while she's Shomeret Yavam, and the Yavam has no claim even on Perot. Not only something that fell unto her from an inheritance, but also that she had brought to the marriage before until the Yavam actually does Kinus. If she dies while she is Shomeret Yavam, then her own heirs, the heirs from her own side of the family, they get all the Nikhse Melog and half of the Nikhse Sombarzel, and the heirs from her husband's side, because again, Ibum means that the husband has died, but really she's not fully unmarried. She's still a little bit married to the family in the sense that she's waiting. Maybe one of the brothers will marry her. So they get a little bit of a claim, and the claim that they get is 50% of Nikhse Son Barzel. So the Yoshea Baal, they receive number one, the Ketubah, and number two, half of Nikhse Son Barzel. Also, on the flip side, it's the side of the of the deceased husband's family that's going to have to pay for and take care of her burial, of her funerary affairs. Halachayut Aleph. Shomeret Yavam Ketubata Al Konichsebalaha. When a woman is Shomeret Yavam, her Ketubah is for all the assets of her husband. Lefichach, El Hayavam Yacholim Korbenichse Achiv, Bem Koden Ib. Ibum ben Ahar Ibum. Uh, so Ketubata means that the Ketubah is supersedes all the assets, all the estate of her of her husband. So let's say uh, um, let's say let me give you an example of Tanakh. Let's say that um, one of what was the son of Yehuda. Uh, the one that married Tamar. It precedes the estate. So let's say Onan left a lot of money. Nobody can take any of that money 
unless uh, Tamar gets to get her ketubah first. Therefore, the Yavam, Shela, cannot go and start managing the affairs of Onan. Whether this was before the Ibum or after the Ibum. Why not after the Ibum? Because although now uh, Shela will inherit the Ketubah, but technically speaking, all the Nechassim are still attached to that Ketubah, so until that's resolved, the Nechassim are not free to be transacted with. And if... Uh, if he does go ahead and sell some of these things or transact with these things, those transactions are all void because the Nechassim were Meshu'abadim, the Nechassim were attached to the right of Tamar, to that Ketubah in my example. And if uh, Shela dies also, so Tamar gets the Ketubah of Onan, and because of her claim, uh, Shela cannot, cannot do anything with that estate. Halachayot if the Yevama now is married, so let's say Shela goes ahead and marries Tamar, and then uh, Onan had left Perot that were connected to the ground, he had left a field, uh, an orchard of Etrogim, let's say, so those Etrogim can be sold, and with the money that you get from those Etrogim, you can buy another land, and then the Yavam can then uh, enjoy the fruits of that second land that was bought with the money sold from, with the money received from selling the etrogim of the field that Onan left. Why is that? Because the ketubah's attachment is on the land itself, not on the perot. However, if he left, if Onan went a day before he died and he cut off all the etrogim, put them all in baskets next to the trees. And also, if he if he left uh, actual coins or chattels, all of those things do not get attached to the ketubah, so everything goes to Shela. And he can go ahead and use them however he wants. And he, uh, she cannot, Tamar cannot stop Shela from doing so. Because all that is chattels, that's not ground, soil, real estate. The attachment of the ketubah to those channels is only tekanat geonim, it's not me'aikar hadin. And this tekanah is not strong enough to deprive a brother from transacting with his nechassim of his deceased brother. didn't didn't have a ketubah from her deceased husband. Or that a week before she dies or whenever, she, she, told, she told Onan, Onan, you know what? This ketubah that you said you'll pay me whatever, I hereby forgive everything to you. Then the, the, the brother, in other words, Shela, that now that he marries Tamar, he gets the full estate because there is no ketubah to which it's attached right now. And... Uh, then when she when he goes ahead and marries Tamar, then he has to write to her a new ketubah. In other words, Yavam normally doesn't not need to write a new ketubah. The ketubah is transferred from the brother, but in the case of a of a Yivama that has no ketubah, she does need to have a new ketubah. 
ויהיו כל נכסיו אחראים לכתובתה, and then his own assets, including what he just got from his deceased brother, namely של, so שלה, שלה's assets, they become now משועבדים to this new כתובה of 100, which is a כתובה for a non-בתולה, כי שאר כל הנשים שיש להם כתובה, like all other women that have a כתובה, this is a brand new כתובה, brand new rules, all the same rules apply. הלכה ט"ו. האישה שמחרם נתנה חש שנישאת בנכסי סום ברזל. If a woman, after she came into the marriage with נכסי סום ברזל, as we explained before what they are, she starts selling and buying some of these things, בין לבעלה בין לאחרים, whether she sells it to her own husband or to others, לא עשת כלום, these נכסים are under the אחריות of the husband, and she has no power to transact with them, so all of those transactions are not valid. וכן הבעל שמכר קרקע בנכסי אשתו בנכסי סום ברזל בנכסי מלוג לא עשה כלום, so to the husband that started selling some of the real estate that was the נכסים that her wife brought into the, the marriage, whether it's נכסי סום ברזל או נכסי מלוג, he has not, no right to do so and the transactions are invalid. מכר מטלטלין של נכסי סום ברזל, if he goes ahead and sells chattels that are צום ברזל, אף על פי שאינו רשאי, although he wasn't entitled to, because He has a harayut, he doesn't have ownership, just custody. If he went ahead and sells it, then that transaction is valid. He's not allowed to do so, but the transaction is valid. Continuation. Let's say that the wife or the husband sold something that was nechsemelog. Nechsemelog, again, are nechasim that the baal takes no acharayut on them, he becomes entitled to inherit them, and uh, he is allowed, he is allowed to have the pirot from them, but the gains and losses on the actual capital are of the wife. And if she gets divorced, she takes them back with her. So let's say that they both at the same, they both separately, independently, let's say there was The wife brought this field that was Nikhse Milog, and she sells it to Mr. X, and the next day the husband sells it to Mr. X at the same time. It doesn't matter in what order, both at the same time, whether they knew about each other, given that both of them sold their rights to this land, then those two sales combine together, and there is a full transaction here, and the transaction is valid. וכן האישה שמכרה ונתנה נכסי מלוג לבעלה, מכרה ומתנתה הקיימין, so too if the woman now wants to gift or sell the נכסי מלוג to her husband while they are married, that transaction also is valid. ואין היכולה לומר בנכסי מלוג נחת רוח רציתי לבעלי, אבל בשאר נכסים יש לה לומר, and with נכסי מלוג, that really the gains and losses are hers and there is no אחריות, she can no longer claim later This wasn't a real transaction, I was just trying to make my husband happy, but any other nechassim, a woman actually does have that claim afterwards, if she gives a gift to her husband, and then they get divorced, she can say, this wasn't really a gift, I was just trying to make my husband, husband be happy, but I didn't really mean it. An example, Halachayot Het Kesad. האישה שמכרה ונתנה לבעלה מנכסי סום ברזל בין קקה במטלטלים. If a woman sells or gives to her husband some of her נכסי סום ברזל, whether it's land or chattels, או שדה שייחד לה בכתובתה, or a specific field 
that he had assigned to her on the ketubah, which is in a way hers, because the ketubah is attached to that sadeh. Or if a field was actually specified as part of what she'd get in the ketubah, or a field that he somehow gave it to her from him, if she sells or gifts any of these things to her husband, the husband will not have a full acquisition of these things. And even if this was a fully formalized transaction with all the bells and whistles of a transaction, we still assume that there wasn't a full intent on her on her side and that she just wanted to please him. And therefore, whenever she wants, she can go back on this transaction. Because all what she was trying to do was shalom bite. She wasn't trying to actually dispose of these assets. Most people in their right mind wouldn't do so. This is the insurance that they have for if things go wrong. Therefore, the husband can bring no proof ever to get any of the, of the assets that belong to his wife to say that he really acquired them, other than like we explained. That are called that they got lost or stolen. And then after they were stolen, uh, which would mean that the husband owes them to the wife, now the wife says, you know, my dear husband, that piece of gold that I brought as Nixes on Barzel and it was stolen, I don't want you to have that debt on your books. Just let me forgive it to you. And they, they do this through a transaction with witnesses. Ramam says, I think that that claim that we said in the last halacha, she can always claim and say, I wasn't serious about this, I just wanted to please my husband. That argument would not fly in this situation, says Arambam. Why? Because what's the analogy to this? To someone that, to a woman who sold something to a third party, in which case, she had no she had no aharayut anymore because she she alienated her rights to that property, and then she brought this nechasim back as nichsemelog, and then after she acquired them back, she brought it into the marriage and decided that these are going to be nichsemelog. Because the husband then cannot be, bring any proof to to take any of these nechasim. And the only reason he's doing it is in order to not be obligated to pay. However, if she's giving him a gift of mitaltelim of, uh, of that are sombarzel that exist, he wouldn't have acquired this. Because she can always claim, I was always trying to please him. This halakha was a little difficult to understand. I went very quickly through it because it's a very long chapter, but I suggest if anyone wants to pause here, read it inside, go back and, and reread it again and read some of the perushim about this halakha kaf. Baal shemachar karka lefirot lo asakilum 
if a husband sells a land just for perot, in other words, he sells it in order, he sells the right to the perot, let's say in the field of etrogim I gave before, the example, um, it's a, uh, the 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 karkao the karkao was sold just for the pirot so it's it's not really a sale it's a sale of the right to those etrogim if the husband goes and sells one of these lands for pirot although he would have been entitled to pirot this sale is also invalid because the right that the husband has over this etrogim over this pirot is so that he can afford a little more the the he can have some income to supplement what he needs to spend for the family. Therefore, if he sold in order to, to, for, for the other person to enjoy from this perot, he wanted to take this money and transact with it to be able to support his family, then that's fine. If the wife had actual money, she brought dollars or coins of gold or whatever into the marriage, then if this is that the husband guarantees the, the amount, but he can he's allowed to he, he keeps the gains and uh, makes whole the losses. So if he wants to use this these coins, this money to start some kind of a business. He's entitled to. If it's nixemelog that he never gets a harayut on. Whether she brought this nixemelog at the outset or they became nixemelog by virtue of coming through an inheritance to her. Or she got a gift during her wet marriage. Or she received a gift or, or inheritance of mitaltelin. On it nula, or they were given to her. Then this should be sold, and <clears throat> sold meaning the, the in other words, you use them for something, you don't sell money, and then you buy real estate. The halakha is that you should buy real estate with them, and the husband is entitled to derive benefit from the fruits of this land, of this real estate. Interesting case, monetary damages. So say a woman receives a, a, a judicial award of monetary damages because someone hurt her, damaged her in some way, physically or emotionally. We had cases in the, in the, in the Mishnah of a woman, let's say someone uncovers her hair in the shuk, she gets a huge monetary amount for this. Very, very interesting story with Rabbi Akiva that suspected the woman was playing, was doing this just to get the money. So he uh, he entrapped her and showed to everyone that she wasn't someone who cared about having her hair uncovered in public. But let's say that she gets this monetary award by a judicial award. So all of this money that comes to her same din, we use this money to buy a land, and the husband's rights are over the gains, the, the, the dividends coming from this land. As we are going to explain what the monetary damages are and what happens when this goes to the wife.
על אחר כך כמעט. נפלו לעבדים, אף על פי שהם זקנים, הרי אלו לא יימכרו מפני שבח בית אביה. If she has or she received servants, even if these were older, she shouldn't sell them because this affects the reputation of her father, of her last name. In other words, we, uh, back in the day, it was something very honorable or it affected the reputation of your family, how many servants you have. So if the husband forces her to sell the servants, this is going to reflect badly on her father's name. Naflu lazetim ukfanim If um, <clears throat> if she gets as as a, as an inheritance or something um, olive olive uh, orchard I don't know what you call them olive plantations or or vineyards. However, she only got the trees themselves. She didn't get anything on the land, and that's something that can be done. A transaction that can be done to sell just the trees. So she had no. no claim on any grain of the soil of the land, but she had a claim on the actual trees. If they can support themselves, in other words, they make enough uh, money that they can pay for the land that they are leasing, and they can pay for the workers and the water, etc. So they, can, they are self-supporting. And the more they stay in the land, the better they become. then she shouldn't sell them again because this reflects on her father's reputation, how many olive trees he has, how many uh, vines he has. However, if they are a losing business, if they spend more than they make, then they could be sold even as, uh, as a fuel to, to burn them or for using their wood. And then that money is used to buy soil. Soil is always the safest uh, investment in all of these alachot. And the husband gets the perot from that karka. If she gets, a, if she gets an inheritance consisting of perot, but it's the perot that are connected to the harvest. So for example, let's say her father bought the rights to all the oranges of a certain harvest, as they are when they are connected to the ground, which means that if something happens to them while they are connected, that's a loss of the father. And then he gives this as an inheritance to his daughter, so what she gets is those fruit. This is something that's going to be directly Uh, it's going to go to her husband. If they are not connected, then they are hers. Her ground, money, פירות, right However, if someone divorces his wife and she had perot mehubarin lakarka, when they got divorced, this is hers. And if they were telushin, they become his because now we are talking about a separate situation and that is what belongs to the karka. Before that, we were talking about the right to perot that the husband has and the right to perot is a right that he gets even if the wife only has the perot. as in the case of this inheritance we just discussed. 
עבדי נכסי מלוג ובהמת נכסי מלוג, servants that are, they come into the marriage as נכסי מלוג. And, and a בהמה that is also נכסי מלוג. הבעל חייב במזונותיהן ובכל צורכיהן. If they are נכסי מלוג, then the wife brings it into the, the, the marriage, the husband from his own money is responsible for making sure that they are sustained, feeding these animals, feeding these servants. On the flip side, he is entitled to their perot, in the case of servants, to their work, to their servile services. Therefore, also any kids that they might have, any offspring of this behemot or this avadim, would go to the husband. And if they get divorced and the wife wants to pay money to and, and buy some of these servants that were born while these were nechsemelog and would have been for the husband, she's entitled to claim that because this again affects the reputation of her father's household, how many avadim they have, and therefore the husband cannot deprive her of this. הלכה כ"ו, הכניסה לו שני כלים או שתי שפחות בתולת נכסי סום בזל ושמו אותם עליו באלף זוז. Let's say that she brings two kinds of כלים or two שפחות as סום ברזל and then the bedding estimates that they are worth 1,000 זוז והוכרו ועמדו באלפיים וגרשה and they become more expensive and now they are 2,000 and then she gets divorced. So Again, Nixetzon Barzel means that uh, the husband is entitled to any gains, any capital gains. So, although the husband is entitled to a thousand, the wife, when she's divorcing, she can choose, she can elect to get her her thousand by taking one of the two. Vashani and the second one, if she wants to be able to buy the second servant for a thousand and get it back for the sake of her father household's brand name, she's entitled to, and the husband is forced to accept the monetary amount as opposed to the Ayved or the Shifha itself. הנותן מתנה לאשתו, בין שנתן לה קרקע, בין שנתן לה מעות ולקחה בהן קרקע, אין לה בעל פירות במתנה זו. When a husband gives a gift to her wife, whether this was פירות or קרקע, sorry, whether this was קרקע or this was money, in which case the wife gets this money and buys קרקע with it, then the husband has no right to פירות from this מתנה. וכן הנותן מתנה לאישה על מנת שלא יהיה הבעל אוכל פירותיה. So to if someone gifts something to the wife, and in the, the gift there is a string, there is a condition saying that the husband should not get פירות, that also counts, אלא יהיו פירותיה לאישה למה שתרצה, rather this פירות go to the wife and she can do however she pleases with them. אין הבעל אוכל פירות מתנה זו, the husband has no right to derive any benefit from this פירות. וכן המוכר את כתובתה בטובת הנייה, אותן הדמין לאישה ואין הבעל אוכל פירותיהן, so to if a wife sells her כתובה in, in, תורת, in, תובת, in תובת הנייה, uh, if she sells her כתובה uh, בטובת הנייה, טובת הנייה means that uh, 
she's selling the right for it's like sell, selling an insurance policy uh, this right may never materialize but someone is taking a risk that she's going to get that ketubah in other words she's going to precede her husband in death she's going to sorry her husband is going to die before her in which case he'll get it or he'll divorce her in which in which case she'll get it and then the third party will get it that's Hanaya. so if she sold this right to the ketubah the money that she gets from it the money that she gets is for the wife and this money is totally unrelated to the husband. The husband has no right to the perot. If a behemat melog, the valad of that behema, which would have been the husband's, it gets stolen. And then the, the thief is, is found, and now he has to pay double. The double comes back to the wife. In other words, the fact that the Baal was entitled to the Valad does not mean that the Baal is entitled to the damage awards that come from the fact that this Valad was stolen and then uh, found. Because this is not within the Perot that Chachamim made a Tekana on. If someone, God forbid, hurts his own wife, then all the monetary awards that she gets is fully hers. And the husband has no claim on the perot of this award, as we are going to explain in Lchot Hovel Perek Dalet. If someone sells land to his wife, if she, if the, the, the amount that she uses to buy that karka is something that the husband was aware of, she wasn't hiding it from him or something, then this transaction is fully valid. And then the Baal continues eating the fruits, the perot from this karka. If this was money that the husband was not aware of, the transaction is not valid. Why? Because the husband can say, The only reason I sold is to expose her and to show that she was hiding all of this money from me. And this money that is now discovered is used to buy a different land, not the land of the husband, and the husband will get the perot from this karka. If uh, a woman is found to have to, to have been hiding ma'ot or mitaltelin, she says, this was a gift to me. And he says, no, this was income that you got and therefore I'm entitled to it. We believe her, not him. And all he has the only uh, the only remedy he has is to just have a a curse in the abstract to whoever is depriving him of something that's his, and then and then you use that money rather to buy a, a land to her, and he gets the pedot from it.
ואם אמרה, על מנת כן ייתנו לי, על מנת שלא יהיה לבעלי רשות בהן, if she says however, that not only was this a gift, but this was a gift to me, with the condition that my husband gets no perot, which we said is a valid condition, אלא יעשה בהן מה שירצה, for me to do however I please with them, עליה להביא ראייה, then fine, that, that's fine, but then she has to bring proof that that's indeed the case, because the default is that the husband will get perot, and she has to prove that that's not the case. שכל ממון הנמצא ביד האישה בחזקת הבעל הוא שיאכל פירותיו עד שתביא ראייה because the presumption is that any assets that the wife has then we assume that it's hers but we also assume that the בעל gets פירות unless either of them proves otherwise. הלכה ל"א אמרה לו אתה נתתם לי מתנה נשבעת שבועת הסט שנתן לבעל ואינו אוכל פירותיהן. If however she claims uh, you actually were the one who gave this to me as a gift, then actually we believe her and he doesn't eat perot, but she has to take an oath because normally this kind of a, of a claim, of an argument, is only going to be used by someone who is claiming the truth because it's very easy to disprove it. Halakha lamet bet En mekabelin pikdonot lo min hanashim velo min avadim velo min haketanim veim abar vekibla min haisha yahazir laisha Because of these presumptions that all assets that the wife has or the husband has um, belong really to, 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 to the perot belong to the husband, then if the wife comes and she wants to borrow money and she wants to put something as collateral or a katan or a minor or a ayavid, in all of these cases, their property has some strings attached to them, then... Nobody should, should accept security from any of these people, and if they do accept such security, they should return it to them. Meta, yachazir lebaala, if she dies before this security can be returned to her, then the one, the, 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 the creditor, should return the security to the husband. Kibel mina ayved, yachazir leayved. If this, however, was taken from uh, the ayved, it should be returned to the ayved. Met. If the Eved dies, it should be returned to his master. If he accepted it from the minor, we don't know whose this is. So, we, we, although in the other cases, the, the one who took the Picadon, He shouldn't return it to the person that we suspect is a real owner. He should return it to the person from whom this was received because it, maybe it really was theirs. So if a katan comes and gives you a picadon, although you have to return it, you don't go and return it to the katan, but rather you buy for the katan something that is able to see if it's anything, it just lost the ability to, to waste it. And if it wasn't his, You didn't just entrust the katan with something that doesn't really belong to them, and that's why it's good to give to the katan back something that it's not going to be a, capable of being sold very easily, like a Sefer Torah, or something that gets dividends. And if the moment that they brought the security, they, they said, I'm bringing this security on behalf of somebody else, if they were trustworthy in other contexts, then, and then they die, then we believe them, and we give it back to that person that they mentioned, otherwise we give it to their Yoresh. 
אישה שהיו לה כספים הראויות לבעל לאכול פירותיהן, a wife who had assets, who had money, that the husband was entitled to get their pirot, הוא אומר כך וכך יילקח בהן, והיא אומרת אם לא לקחת בהן יילקח וכך. If he says, if he says that, um, let's use this to buy a transaction that, uh, that can be, um, just, just one second, excuse me. So in this case, there is a discussion and argument. So the, the wife has ma'ot. She has a monetary amount, which is, has to be used to buy something that's going to benefit both of them. So you buy karka, which is going to remain for her, but the pilot are going to be the husbands. Now, she says, let's buy this karka. He says, let's buy the other karka. Then the, the, we, the preference is always to buy something that um, is going to be low expense, and high in dividends, which is something that benefits the husband, whether it's what she wants or what he wants. So we don't care about what either of them wants, so long as we go with what is the lowest expense and highest income producing. Also, but one more thing, we can only take something that uh, the, the, it, it's recyclable, in other words, it's going to last for a long time, because otherwise uh, we might come to a situation that by eating the perot we're going to actually destroy the actual asset we also don't want to do that so we want three things in reality we want something that has low expense high income and that it's uh, long lasting it's something that has a geza that's mahalif if it's uh, let's say it's trees it's a tree that's going to uh, remain there for a long time we don't want to buy a plantation of tomatoes that is going to be destroyed after you eat them i don't know if that's the case with tomatoes but just to give a um an example if a wife brings into the marriage one of these examples a goat for its milk or a sheep for its wool or a palm tree for its fruits. Although all what she has is the perot of this alone, So what happens with this with these examples is that although they have perot, the perot waste the actual the actual uh, asset, but even though that's the case, he's entitled to the husband should be able to get the perot from these things. So too, if she if she brings to the marriage uh, some something usable, some kli that's used he's entitled to use them and he's able, he's capable, he's permitted to use it 
even if it's going to waste the, the clothing or whatever, and after and after he uh, he gets divorced, he doesn't have to pay whatever was worn out from that nixemelog. That's the point of nixemelog. Nixemelog means that it might be wasted, and and the wife is willing to accept that loss. The geonim now established the kana that nixesom barzel. Although the loss is on the husband, the husband has to make up the, 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 the loss that, that happens in If this was a, a case of garments and the garments are just worn out now and but and they are still functional in the same way that they were before, then the wife just takes those garments and if they no longer serve the function that they used to serve before, so it's more of like a binary choice. Let's say the wife brought into the, the marriage a very, I don't know, a very expensive blanket, and they use this blanket. This blanket was Sombarzel, and it was worth uh, $2,000 when they started, and, uh, and now... It's worth $500, but it, it serves the same purpose. So all she has is that blanket and she takes it. If it no longer serves the purpose, then now the husband owes her $2,000. And this is the minhag that's widespread now. And whoever gets married, being aware of this minhag, then he accepts the harayut of the dunya, of the nechzes on barzel. Just like he wouldn't pay the, the it, it's being worn out, if it actually goes up in, in price, he also doesn't get uh, in value, he also doesn't get that excess over the amount that was worth when they got married. Last half alacha, continuation of Lamed Hes, second paragraph. If the wife brings several servants to the marriage, the husband is entitled to take some of them and use them for his needs on a second house he has with his second wife. Whether they were of the Melog or Sombarzel, however, he can never take them out of town other than with the permission of his wife. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.